0: I'm going to talk about how we're actually expanding our content for Marketing School because it's a daily marketing podcast. So I think we're about 87, 89-ish million downloads right now. And we just, I mean, we focus mainly on operating our business. So he's got MP Digital, I've got Single Grain. And I've always wondered, how do you actually take your daily podcast where we're talking about the latest trends and create blog content for it so we can drive a lot of search traffic? So I'm going to be talking a lot about SEO here. Our backgrounds are both in SEO, but we try to be w- wide-ranging. Um, so I'm going to talk about how you can kind of enhance and expand your content using AI. So practical business use cases here, and um, actually Eric Rivera, where's Eric Rivera? I can't see. He's in the back. Oh, in the back over there, raising his hands. You guys should talk to him later. He's super smart about this stuff. Um, but here's what we have going on right now. So I'm going to let's see, start over here. So we're doing something called programmatic SEO, and this is not necessarily something that's new, but it's now available to people like you and me. So when I used to work at a company maybe like 12 years ago, I had an engineering team I had a product team. We were, we're basically creating a lot of templated pages at scale, right? And what I'm trying to say here is that, for example, we're an ad agency, right? So we are creating hundreds, now thousands of pages that have the keyword agency in it now, and it actually looks like it's solid content, right? So here's a good example right behind me. So Shopify CRO agency dedicated amplifying your e-commerce success, right? Um, And this is a template that we created. And this is the bottom of it. So you go down, we have sections where like a chat GPT AI, or sorry, API, we'll tie it in with the API, and it'll just create unique content for each section. And so now we're creating a lot of these pages that actually look good, and we have pretty good domain authority, and it works. And the little graph that I had, over here, like this is a little experiment that we're starting to run, and it's starting to ramp up. And so I go to my team, I'm like, hey, how do we do like 100x more of this, right? And so when you have a graph going, starting to go up and to the right, why don't you just double down and bet more? And the cool thing is that each of these pages that I'm showing you right now, it'll cost you like a 10th of a penny if you're using ChatGPT 3.5, but if you're using ChatGPT 4, it'll cost you 30 cents. Still a pretty good price, right? So, that's what we're doing. Our traffic's starting to ramp up there, and this is the programmatic piece. And so, for example, if you, if you work in SaaS, it's like, well, what pages can you create? Let's say you're HubSpot, right? You would create Salesforce alternatives. That would be one that you'd go for. You would create HubSpot versus Salesforce. That would be another one, right? Or, like, CRM for affiliate marketing. I don't know, right? I'm just looking at Andy, I felt like saying that. Um, and For the record, for for those people that don't know, I used to intern for Andy. It was a long time ago. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, But anyway, that's the programmatic piece, and we're trying to we're basically creating a topical map, which means we're creating a lot of keywords, and we'll have someone do the research, and then someone will kind of check to make sure the keywords align, and then we'll create these pages, and we'll try to create like fifty pages um, a day. So I'll pause for a second. Neil, do you want to add anything before I continue my monologue?
1: Just make sure the content's really good, because if it's shit and you just throw up 1,000 pages like that, you'll actually see your traffic go the other way. It can actually hurt you. So you have to make sure it's either high quality or you don't do it at all. That's good. All right. Yes, Casey? Eric, can I? I'm sorry. This is total production note here, because all production Do we look is ugly? Uh,
0: can I have you guys pick up and move yourselves like two in, not right in front of the, the slide? Yeah, get out of the way, man. Yeah. I was going to make a joke around that, but all right, better. <laughs> yeah. All right. So look, on the screen, Neil, you can see your face and my face over there. And we, this is tied in with Marketing School. So the thing I just showed you guys was programmatic SEO. But what we're doing now with Marketing School is like, OK, well, we want to create this content at scale. Like We talk about the latest stuff. We, Google should rank us. for talking about the, the, the latest stuff. And so a five to 10 minute episode, we'll have a tool called riverside.fm. That's what we use to record. It's pretty good and they'll take an AI transcription. So they'll give you an AI transcription. That's in the red box over here. And then I'll just ask like a chat GPT, and we've automated this now, but convert the following text into a blog post with key points as headers, and I just paste the transcription. And then from there, this is the output, how digital marketing will change in 2023 and beyond, and blah, 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 blah. And then at the very bottom over here, we run it through a duplicate content checker, like Hugging Face, and you can see it says 95% real. And th- that's all it is, and that's what we do. 70% of the content will be created by the AI, and then we'll have a human in a loop, add in pictures, links, and videos, or whatever it is exactly, and that works out well. And a cool thing, before we move on to talking about trends, is that I was talking to our developer, I was like, hey, what do we do about internal linking? He's like, well, I've taken all your keywords that are ranking number four to number 10, that have the keyword agency in it, and we're just in- automatically internally linking them. Right? Because internal linking matters if you're going to make hundreds or thousands of these pages. So I know some of the stuff I might be saying might be going over your head a little bit, but the key thing here is that this SEO stuff isn't dying. Still good traffic. I think the majority of your traffic comes from SEO, yeah? Yeah. Yeah? What percent? I don't know. All right. Well, majority. but. That's a big piece of it. And here's here's a cool tool. I found this tool over here. It's called Chatbase. I think it's chatbase.ai or chatbase.co. It will take all the data you have and it'll make a custom chat GPT for you. So you can make your own Andy Mackinson, LLM, whatever you wanna do. Um, And there's a lot of cool stuff that Amazon's doing as well with their machine learning kind of out of the box solutions. You can check that out. I recommend that you do. I think um, Samir, raise your hand. Right there, so Samir raising his hand, so he dedicates I think two days a week, right? just focused on AI, and you have, a main, you have a big business to operate, right? And so feel free to talk to Samir about it. I'm just trying to point out people that you should talk to at lunch. Um, but I think we'll leave that, I have a lot of other stuff to talk about. We can talk about, here, Neil. We talked about this on the pod, but uh, why do you think, when I asked ChatGPT, what are the best marketing podcasts, why do you think we popped up number one?
1: Because it's using a lot of the same factors that Google and uh, Bing use for their SEO. like like things like domain authority, and things like how many backlinks, and things like how many mentions it's getting around the web. So they're using a lot of the same factors in traditional SEO that they would use to start ranking things on ChatGPT or BARD.
0: Cool. All right, well, that's my monologue. So Neil, what are the cool stuff that you're experimenting with right now?
1: Not much. I used to do a lot of these experiments. And then what I found is they I didn't mean, really. I'm talk about trends. Trends? Yeah. So. I'm not really leveraging any trends right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm leveraging any of all. Yeah, it's just, definitely what you guys want to hear. Well, well, software I've software yeah, but that's old
0: now. That's what it might not be old to them. Yeah.
1: yeah, so it's like I do software as a legend, in which so, so let's actually first go back with AI. Everyone is using AI. I'm actually on the other side, in which I'm starting to create more content manually and use less AI. The big b- reason for that is, is how many people really want to read AI-based content? They want to read unique content that has amazing you know, experience and nuggets that people are talking about that haven't been discussed before on the web. Do you give in a other- shit
0: if this hotel is built by a robot or a human?
1: No, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not in the hotel building business, What's... right? Never mind. <laughs> I-, I want my content to be super unique that provides someone with insights and nuggets that they wouldn't get somewhere else on the web. All AI is doing is just regurgitating the same old shit that's been on the web for a long time. It's a modern version of an article spinner. I'm not saying there's not more to AI, but that's why we're actually creating content manually because we think everyone, including a lot of people in this room, how many of you guys here use AI to create your content? Raise your hand. So maybe half the room, maybe a little bit less, 40%. Nothing wrong. But I believe that more and more people are going to pick up on that trend, which is going to create tons of me too content. When I mean me too, I'm talking about like, where's Waldo? You know that dude in the red and white striped shirt? Now when you think about where's Waldo, everyone's going to look like Waldo. And there's not going to be all the other random people. In essence, everyone's going to look alike. That's why we're creating content manually, because we think that makes us stand out. We think that'll be the new version of the quote unquote Waldo. So that's the first thing we're using, doing. The second thing is when it comes to AI, the big trend that we're using is data is becoming everywhere and it's becoming hard to analyze. So check this out, okay? I want you guys to really look around the room and think about this in an honest way. So raise your hand if you log into Google Analytics at least once a week. Raise your hand, okay? Now all, all the people who raise your hand, how many of you guys log into Google Analytics at least once a week and do something actionable with that data, like make a change to the business based on the data? Raise your hand. One person, two people. Anyone else? You're in a room full of marketers. That's the problem right now is data is becoming harder to analyze and compute because of all the changes that are happening with privacy and even changing to like a cookie world or the iOS changes. So if you can have AI start helping you analyze your data and give nuggets to your team on what changes you can make, we're seeing that as the biggest win right now. And when I mean what changes you can make, imagine how much money is being spent on ads right now. Did you know Google does around $160 billion a year in paid ad revenue? Facebook's over $100 billion. How much money do you think is actually wasted? You guys do marketing? Raise your hand if you've ever wasted a dollar on marketing or campaigns that go wrong. <laughs> All right, almost everyone. The point I'm making is, one if AI can help you stop the wastage earlier. That's where it's useful. See, right now everyone wants to focus on AI and content generation. I could've gone to the pro Blogger job board and paid some dude mm-hmm. in India 15 bucks to write my article anyways. Grammar may not be great, but still, 15 bucks. Maybe 20, 30 bucks in the United States. Where's the real savings here? Oh, scale it up while you save 10, 20 grand, whoop-de-doo. Oh, you're spending millions of dollars on paid ads? These few tweaks and insights just helped you save a half a million bucks a month? That's real savings. That's what we're starting to use AI for. Um, The other big trend, and still not too many people are on on this kick, how many of you guys focus your business just in the United States? Raise your hand. United States or Canada? Because I know there's quite a bit of Canadian people. All right, majority. How many of you guys focus on outside the United States or Canada? Raise your hand few people. How many of you guys focus your business globally? Like more than 10 countries at least. All right. Maybe like 15, 20% of the room. That's where the big money opportunity is right now. If you look at any Fortune 1000 company, almost all of them are global. You make your money just by expanding to the rest of the world. It's the simplest thing in marketing. It's not competitive. People don't do it. I don't get why. To rank a website in, Brazil is like 10 times easier than is in the United States. To do paid ads in Brazil is 10 times easier than the United States, just less competition. You may not make as much, but you don't spend as much. The GDP in a lot of these countries are high. Go look at how much of Apple's revenue comes from the United States. If you start taking out the United States and China, they make a lot of revenue from, they make very little amount of revenue from one country, but all those countries combined make up the majority of their revenue. It's all those little, you know, slices that really add up. And I think that's where people are getting wrong. They just focus on the U.S. because they think, oh, that's where the money is, or Canada, or China. But the money is in all these small countries that no one is focusing on. Not competi- There's not a ton of competition. It's easy to penetrate, ton of money to be made. We went from expanding to, we started the year in six countries. We're now already in 17 countries. Uh the marketing industry has probably got hit one of the hardest. You know, when things are good, people turn on marketing really fast, when things get bad, it's the first thing they cut. Our international growth has been a little bit more than 60% year to date over the previous year. Even in a terrible economy, we're growing like fire, you know, in all these other countries that no one cares about. People look at places like India as a poor country, fastest growing region by far. Right? Like We're able to generate millions and millions and millions of dollars in regions like that where people would think that, hey, they're porn, there's not much money to be made. But that's not the case. The dude here is selling G-wagons there, right? (laughs) (laughs) And they cost more in India than they do here. I came out of the airplane in Delhi on the airport, I saw Rolls Royces. I'm like, what the heck, right? Who would have guessed that there's money in all these places? I land in Brazil. When the guy's like, yeah, I'm throwing a conference here. You want to come? I'm like, dude, it's going to be too far. He's like, no problem. Just hop on my helicopter. I'll take you there and I'll take you back. Uh, all right. How many people here own a helicopter? Like there's literally money everywhere. I was sitting down with a guy in Brazil who owns a, a financial company. And he's just like, yeah, you know, Brazil, politically, was all complaining and stuff. Like, I'm like, what do you do for fun? He's like, oh, like, I, I like growing wine. I'm like, what do you mean growing wine? Growing grapes and then producing wine? He's like, something like that. He's like, I have a whole winery. I'm like, where's your winery? He's just like, Italy. I'm like, how big is he? He's like, I don't know. It's really big. I've only been there once or twice. I was like, oh, okay. You're just a rich dude with a winery. And, uh, you know, it's like, you look at people like him, it's like, there's a lot of money to be made in countries that most of us don't really
0: think about and that aren't on our radar. Cool. Chase. Mike, can you guys hear me? Cool. Yes, yeah, I did not I didn't know if my mic was hot anymore. Um, Chase, can you keep my mic hot please if it's, I don't know if it's dying or not. A um, couple other things I'll show you. How many people here have a sales team? Raise your hand. Like, was that a half? Okay, so this is something that you can do it won't cost you a lot of money, but we both have ad agencies, right? So when leads come in, we want our salespeople to not just be order takers, but we want them to come with insights, because sales is about building confidence at the end of the day. And so this is an example of a lighting company, Lumens. So they came through, and they actually asked for something around Pinterest. And so we tied this in with Zapier, with ChatGPT. So you actually even need to know how to code to do this. And it came up with three marketing ideas here. So utilize Pinterest shop to look feature, uh, blah, blah, blah. Create a board featuring different styled living rooms with clickable product tags leading to the product page. Implement Pinterest-promoted pins targeting specific home decor interests and demographics. So now the salespeople are there to also help you build confidence as well. And this is a simple, practical use case that won't cost you much, if anything. And I think anybody can sign up for an Open API. Open AI API. Um, I don't know if, it, if Thomas is here. Um, we won't bring up that one. We'll bring up this one over here. So from like a customer success standpoint, we might need to go back around. How many of you have like a customer success or client services team? Okay, so like half again. Uh, Let me see, let me see. So over here, where did I get stuck? Sorry. I'm almost back. Whatever, I'll just explain it. So what we do is we have a conversational intelligence tool called Gong. And Gong will join, his, like you see these note takers that join your Zoom meetings, right? So we'll take the notes for, from the Zoom meeting and it'll actually score the call on a scale of one to 10 in terms of the, of the sentiment, right? So we actually have these appear on sales calls and also on client services calls, where it will be scored and it'll note the action items, it'll note if the client was, was angry or dissatisfied or whatever, and then it'll actually put this into a spreadsheet and you can see each week how a client is doing. So now you can't, in, in the client services business, if I'm working and I'm not doing a good job, like I'm incentivized to sandbag and just want to protect my, I want to CYA, like or cover my ass, CMA, right? Um, but if you run the company, you just want to do a good job at the end of the day for your customers because that's what it's all about. And so if it's less than a seven out of ten for three weeks in a row, then our client services team will come and say, hey, like what's going on with this? And that way we have a checks and balances system. So, you know, as long as there's humans in the loop, like we're, we're gonna make mistakes, right? We're prone to making mistakes. So you have a machine that can help you do a little better there. So. That's what works as well. Um, what else we got?
1: I'll give you guys three takeaways, and then we can answer any of your questions that you guys have. And I talked about one of them. If I would, if you were to leave this event and you are going to do three things, I would, one, expand globally, start off by just translating your content. No joke. You can use ChatGPT or whatever AI you want for that. It's free, cheap, dub it, whatever you want to end up doing. You'll just get more eyeballs in different regions. And then once you have the eyeballs, eventually sell them your products or services. The second one is figure out what you can offer for free that people are paying for. This is the silliest thing ever, but the world is a race to the bottom in marketing. Everyone is trying to offer more shit for cheaper. Just beat them all and just go free and gobble up the leads and sell them something else that's bigger. A great example of this is if I was in this... Have you guys heard of payroll software like Paychex? You know Paychex is a $40 billion company? You know if you work at a company, you know what else people want other than being paid on time? What's another common request that people want if they work for you? Benefits, Benefits, insurance, right? What's the main one on benefits? Health insurance. You know how big uh, United Healthcare is? It's 10 times the size of Paychex. You know how expensive it is to create payroll software? Anyone want to guess? Pennies on the dollar. So what they, should someone do? How do you penetrate a market? Oh, I'm going to give payroll software for free. And then when they want to give their employees health insurance, they can click a few buttons, and then I can offer that. Weren't you going to do that? Yeah, I don't have enough time in the day. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Just offer shit for free that people are used to paying for. And Paychex is like a $40, $50 billion company the last time I checked. I think United Healthcare is like a three, 400000000000 billion company. Healthcare does probably 10, 20 times more in revenue than uh, Paychex give away shit for free and charge for something that's more. We give away SEO software for free, we charge for consulting, which makes us more. The third thing that I would tell you is uh, you got international expansion, you got giveaway shit for free, and the third thing is, is almost everyone in here, or everyone in here has money. You guys don't need to figure shit out. The best way to grow is actually hire, hire people who have already done it before. <laughs> and the way you do that is you go to LinkedIn, you go see who's worked for at least two of your competitors, they need to have been promoted multiple times because everyone will tell you they're the best thing since sliced spread and they're gonna change your business, but a bunch of it's a bullshit. But if a company that they work for promoted multiple times, what does it mean? They're probably good. You guys agree with that? No one just gets promotions if they suck. But sometimes they do. So that's why you look for someone who's worked for two of your competitors, because if they worked for two of your competitors and got promoted multiple times at both those competitors, what does it mean? They probably are good. And if they help them grow, and they did that specific job that you're trying to solve at your company and you hire them, what do you think they're gonna do for you? They did it twice, they'll probably be able to do it the third time successfully. Once could be luck, twice usually not, third time's a charm. That would be my advice for you guys.
0: I'll leave with one more thing and then we can throw this box around so you can start to raise your hand. Um, and- I'll actually use you as an example too. So, this whole concept of newsletters are coming back. So, the, uh, you've seen one of our clients, Axios. They sold for about 553 million, and HubSpot. Sorry, The Hustle. They sold to HubSpot for 27-ish million or so, and then Morning Brew. They're also a newsletter. They sold for maybe 70 or 80 to Business Insider, and now they're already doing 70, 80 a year in revenue. I think at some point we'll probably have one of the co-founders of Morning Brew come to this thing, maybe next year, but. Um, I have a couple of videos and we have a couple blog posts on newsletters and we're just seeing the traffic go up into the right now It's because it's becoming interesting again. And so it, we've talked about the, on, on the pod the concept of a discovery engine. So a discovery engine might be like your short form, your TikToks or whatever, and your relationship engines might be your email list or a YouTube long form or podcast where you can develop a deeper relationship. I mean, this is kind of a relationship engine as well. And so I, I just, I've, become, I've become more and more intrigued by newsletters. We've always had one over the years, but we, our main copywriter, to Neil's point, having a guy that's been there, done that, he used to work for a company called Agora, multi-billion dollar publishing company, and um, he's just a really good copywriter. And so we're just like, how do we like create a much better newsletter now where it's like five to six times we're sending per week, and we're just gonna drive everything to that. And then whatever we have in a newsletter, it's just promoting our own product services. We don't need to sell ads or anything like that. And so I think the bar for a newsletter is really low. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a way to kind of ring the cash register, whatever it is that you're selling. Neil, how many times do you publish for your newsletter a week, three? Three times. Yeah, so he, I mean, he's been doing it consistently. He just doesn't talk about it much, but he's been very consistent, over, probably over the last 10, 12 years, yeah? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a money drive. And how big's your email, email list now?
1: I just scrubbed it today. So it was 1.5-something million. I just deleted 200,000 emails. But knowing my email provider, they'll only delete 30,000 of it, and they'll make me do it 10 times to scrub the list so that way they can keep charging me more money.
0: There you go. See? And he likes to pay. Um, one thing Syed actually back there. Raise your hand, Syed. Um, so he, we were having a lunch the other day, and he was talking about there's two tools here, right? Talking about dubbing and, and language translation. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I've shown you this yet because Syed showed us. But it's rask.ai, R-A-S-K, wait, R-A-S-K.ai, and then also brask.ai with the B in front. And they will, like, let's say we're talking right here, they will dub it into Spanish, Hindi, Chinese, but how French. how much money? Cheap, I think it's cheap. Syed, is it cheap? A
1: dollar a minute. Oh, a a minute. Oh. oh, that's good. Yeah. I like a dollar a minute. Oh. Yeah. For $500, 500, 500, 500 minutes. There we go. You can't negotiate at that scale? That's a lot of money.
2: I was just wondering, Neil, can you please um, maybe elaborate a little bit on the examples of uh, improving efficiency with ad spend using AI like data analysis?
1: Yeah, sure. So when you run campaigns, some campaigns are profitable and some aren't. Some campaigns you're running that aren't profitable, you're doing it because of uh, uh, testing, right? So you can end up having boundaries and it can notify you on a daily basis which test campaigns aren't profitable and how it was day over day or week over week. And you can see if it's improving, you want to keep it on or cut it off. Or another thing that we're doing right now using AI is, let's say if you're the company IBM, you know how many people will bid on their own brand name for corporations? Not bidding on it can actually lose you traffic as well. So what we do is we're using AI to, uh, in real time, see who's bidding on the name and it turns it on and off. So that way, we're paying for the traffic when we should to just gobble up, make sure our competition doesn't get it, and then we're not paying for it when we shouldn't. And some of those things, like with some of our clients, it's saving them like sixty grand a month, just like on the brand name, which doesn't seem like a lot, but over a year that's seven hundred and twenty thousand dollars. You start doing that ten times, you've saved over seven million bucks with different types
3: of tactics. Dude, you gotta throw it, man. That's why we (laughs) bought it. yeah, so I, I, I should go the other way with the AI content. Um, Which we, way? I, I'm going on using it. He's going not using I, yeah, it. Yeah, I go the way of not using it. Uh-huh. And more of a comment, I'm just curious what you guys think, is we're a management consulting firm, and we do this fractional CMO in a box type of engagements. And I found that creating more pillar content that's evergreen, like I wrote my book, and people still jump on sales calls that have read the book. Um, or doing the podcasts and I post content on LinkedIn that even I still to this day sometimes create. Um, and I found that that helps us separate ourselves in a, in a crowd of other agencies and people that provide services in this space. but there is a downside of that it's, it's harder to scale that and get to certain volumes but it also builds us like a loyal loyal following that's willing to pay a premium price for the advice that we sell where, maybe we'd be selling a smaller retainer, but with the type of content we put out, we can charge like six-figure or multi-six-figure engagements, and people are actually willing to pay for that. So I wanted to just hear what you guys thought about that.
1: I'm with you. I, I would do the same thing, even though if it's harder, put more time and energy into it than just cranking out junk content from AI. I haven't seen anyone show me a really good example of AI just creating amazing content at scale
0: that's really useful to humans that's not regurgitated. I mean, my response is, It's not an or thing i think it's an end thing and the programmatic stuff it's not like we're creating anything game changing but it is providing use like it is helpful like we do do that right um so that's more there's more search intent there i think with the stuff we're doing with marketing school with the ai enhanced content it's pretty good right it's like we're talking about the latest trends i i've read a couple of them i'm like this is pretty good like i can't tell that it was my robot i would say the pillar stuff obviously yeah i agree like maybe that's that should be in the mix as well. So like if you have really good data to share and things like that, like why would you not share it? So that's where I come from. All right. So uh,
2: programmatic SEO. Um so are you like how many of those pages are you putting out and, and and like are you using AI to rewrite everything or just what's a little bit more deeper with the, yeah. With the programmatic? Yeah. So we're
0: doing 50 pages a day right now. So we don't want to do like 10,000 at once cuz it's like it's pretty obvious. Um so 50 pages a day. And then, from a rewriting standpoint, we used to have this software called Clickflow that will see where your traffic's decaying. So we're planning on bringing that back, where you can see traffic decay, and you can just like you can have it automatically just upgrade or update. Um, that's the plan right now. But what we're doing with those pages too, now that we've created the templates for them, like the agents, the Shopify CRO one, we're adding a lot. We're just randomly adding internal links in there, and then also it's linking to the most relevant blog posts. So we're trying to automate as much as we can there.
2: How are you getting around duplicate
0: content, though, on those pages? So I mean, you've seen Google, they just ignore duplicate content. But in general, it hasn't been an issue for us. It's, okay. The traffic's just been going up. So If you want to use AI for content, the best way to actually use
1: it that we've seen drive the most traffic is actually updating old pieces of articles. Have you ever done a search on Google and noticed that Wikipedia ranks for everything? Yes? Raise your hand. That should be everyone. Wikipedia <laughs> literally does rank for everything. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know why they rank for everything? It's because their content is probably one of the most updated pieces of content on the web. People just keep updating it. Whenever you do a search for something, do you want to read something that's three years old, or do you want to read something that was written last week? you want to read something that was written last week? Even if it's on an evergreen topic, you want the most up-to-date. So if you want to use AI, the best strategy to do is go into your Google Search Console, look at your content that's year over year, the ones that have the biggest declines, because Google Search Console will show you that, from a search traffic standpoint and have AI help you rewrite that content, make it more fresh and up-to-date. If you do that every single month, you'll see a really big increase in your traffic.
0: Have you seen the Forbes, did um, I share that podcast with you where the ex-Forbes employee reveals everything? No. I'll share it with you, but Syed and Eric and I were, were talking about it, and the stuff, they have like SEO on lockdown, and so there's this episode, if you guys search for it on your podcast app, just type in um, Authority Hacker Forbes, you should be able to find that podcast episode. And literally, he shares all the secrets behind what they do. Because you know they crank a lot of affiliate revenue, and they rank number one for a lot of things, right? So anyway, not much else I can share there. Um, Who else has the ball or the box?
2: Ooh.
0: (laughs) That's
4: athletic. I played rugby. Uh so I'm getting into the SEO game now too, uh, thinking about are you guys doing anything differently to rank for ChatGPT
2: than you would to rank for Google?
1: No, we found it to work almost identically as thing. well. So think of it this way, BART is their version of ChatGPT, right? Whenever you do a Google search, have you noticed that you get results one through 10? That's a dumb question, because of course you realize that. All right, so the, re- the result that they put at the top is the one that they think is the best and the most relevant to you, right? The one that they put the next is the second most relevant in their opinion. I'm not saying they're right or wrong, that's just how algorithms work. And the list goes on and on from there. When ChatGPT and Bard are scraping, it's similar. So like when Bard's giving you a suggestion, they already think they know what was probably the best answer because their algorithms have already defined that this is the first site, it's the most relevant, people like it the most, the user metrics show one, the click-through rate, the bounce rate, the exit time, time on site, etc. They're using a lot of that data for their own rankings for Bard and ChatGPT. What we're seeing—it's not identical, but close enough to it. Gotcha. Thank you, Ian.
0: Ian Bien. All
2: righty. Um, what are your thoughts on some of the, like the highly commercial intent keywords, like app builder, app development, those types of keywords? It seems like Google has prioritized ads. Like, if you look on like a MacBook Pro, like the entire fold is just ads before you get to one organic search result. So it seems like Google has taken like more of these commercial intent keywords and just put ads there rather than showing any organic search results.
1: They're probably going to keep doing that because they're trying to make money. Yeah. You know, a lawyer once told me, he's like, Neil, don't worry about shit you can't
0: control. This is one of them. <laughs> well, what kind of lawyer were you talking to? One who helps me not get sued. Okay. <laughs> Johnny, did you have a question? <laughs>
1: you're talking a lot about uh, programmatic SEO for lead gen. I think that makes a ton of sense. What worked uh, for you? Well, exactly. OK, yeah. you already know what my business is. Because I think one of the biggest problems with consumer apps is you just buy your traffic to get users, and you're just stuck in this like lack of attribution iOS world. Uh, we're going through w- Which content, they love, TikTok. by the way. They, don't, they want it that way. It yeah, makes, well, makes that's what they that's the want. So you don't think. Programmatic, any amount of SEO content is really going to help for something like content as an app download. Uh, what, 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 what are you selling? A game? An app. It's a game. It's a download. Like, a video, download. like yeah, a video game, like yeah, Monopoly. Yeah, yeah, like Tamagotchi.
0: Pokemon. Oh, okay. it's a mobile app. <laughs> <laughs> he he so doesn't Monopoly. play games. <laughs> I'm not selling it to you if that's what you think. No, he uh, doesn't uh, understand what those games are. So Monopoly. Oh, yeah. sure, Monopoly. Yeah. But it's like a video game. You Don't like know that. what a
1: Pokemon is. No, yeah. I know what Pokemon is. I've never played a game. I just know
0: Pikachu, and that's it.
1: So (laughs) the the point is driving app download from dude. That's really simple. Go find all the websites that review games, like top ten lists, and have them go plug that shit in. You know how many downloads you would get from that, and pay them affiliate commissions or just pay them to be on the page. Uh, We've done it in in actually your space, and it's worked, and it was way cheaper than paying for uh, ads in the App Store. Interesting. So. Oh, not doing the programmatic SEO though. Go no, get No, paid programmatic, no programmatic. No programmatic at
0: all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, That's what we do. We tested it in the game space for a really large gaming company that's publicly traded. We're like, huh, let's just go pay all the people who are writing all these articles. It was like, I think it was around 34, 35% cheaper. Uh, I mean, no, 34, 35% of the cost, right? So you're roughly looking at 65% cheaper than buying the traffic from the App Store. And we were able to do it at scale. Like so th- this is affiliate, scared.
0: right? This is affiliate. So, uh, uh,
1: but not all of them would take yeah. affiliate commissions. We were just paying them money, and we were just trying to back end it out.
0: Andy, I'm, I'm curious. So for your affiliate stuff, how much commission are you taking? Can you toss the box over here? If you're willing to share. Well, I already know the answer. Right, right, right. He's taking as much as he can.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, what's the exact question? What we're getting?
0: So, because we're we're talking about we're talking about how he might buy traffic from websites like top ten lists and maybe pay them an affiliate commission. I'm just wondering because you have an affiliate website. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's different deals. I mean, if you're
2: doing like CPA deals, um, it'll be like a rev share, agreed upon rev share. Uh, Oftentimes, like it depends on what type of product too. If it's a high margin product, you can you can get a higher percentage of revenue, but somewhere somewhere in the realm of fifteen to twenty percent. RevShare uh, if you're doing CPA deals, but we're moving most of our stuff to CPC. So it's just like, hey, That's what's, what's the market rate for CPC? What well, we try to do because we're a, we're a blog and, and it's you know all organic, we look at what, are, what is the CPC of AdWords? So what would they have to pay to advertise on AdWords um, for that particular keyword? Or what would they have to pay in Facebook? And then we just like to come in under like 10, 20% below that so that it's just a no-brainer to to test this out, and then when they see the quality of the traffic, they stick with us.
0: Cool.
2: It's nerve-wracking. This is for both of you. Uh, How how
4: many players do you guys have uh, hired outside of the US? Just out of curiosity, personally.
1: Players or employees? employees? Employees. Team members. I don't know, a lot. I don't know, how many do you well, That's have? a lot,
4: roughly. Do you know? Is it like, I don't know the
1: percentage. I have like 750, 800 employees. So I don't I think it's like, outside the US. think it's like... You're so
4: fucking cool.
0: It's like such <laughs> yeah. a flex. Yeah. I just have like 800 employees. I
1: don't have a no, flex. No, it's not that much in compared to like a Walmart or a Microsoft, but it's enough where I stop <laughs> yeah. counting.
0: Well, you have to compare relative to this room. But anyway, 15, 15 to 20 for me. Cool. And yeah.
4: right, what? What, what do the majority do? Uh,
0: design, development. Social, like it's like execution work. Not st- like my thinking is strategic should be probably onshore, and then executional work I could probably go offshore more.
1: So I, I don't look at different countries as offshore onshore. I have a bit of a different business model. I look at different countries as can they replicate what I'm doing in the United States or another region and just do it there. Because yeah, every market, that's, that's every more, market more has yeah. yeah, every market has revenue potential. You just hire for that region. From everything, a president, a COO, etc., and you just rinse and repeat.
4: Agreed. And then, lastly, do you monitor them in any way? Are these players monitored, or do you view them? Or uh, what do you
1: mean?
0: Like, do you have anybody that uh, like time tracking? Time tracking, yeah. But screen sharing or watching their screens. Uh, I mean, we hire them off of Upwork, so the screen sharing is on for every ten minutes. But we don't look at it. But it's on. So, yeah. I'm not a fan of doing that, by the way.
1: But I don't think we do that with anyone. But. Keep in mind, I'm hiring expensive people overseas, right? Like some of the people we hire overseas cost hundreds and hundreds and thousands of US dollars. Wow. So it's, we don't look at like another country as cheaper outsourced labor. Our payroll in a lot of these countries like India is expensive. We're not getting labor for cheap. If you want people who are talented and can drive revenue, sadly, no matter where they are in the world, you got to pay up. Like I interviewed someone in Argentina the other day, he wanted 400,000 USD a year.
0: I mean just just wow. to clarify here though, it's it's so he's doing global expansion, right? He's hiring people that have been there, done that in that space. So they're worth that absolutely. So hopefully that gives you a little more context. That's awesome.
1: No, yeah. that was great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Is there Enter somebody else? The
0: Jacob. Jacob.
1: Right there.
4: Jacob. I'm in a like a soccer throw, okay?
0: Go. Oh,
1: oh. oh.
4: <laughs> good
2: dodge. <laughs> um I guess just kind of general question written or Focused more around written content in kind of a YMYL regulated space, say health specifically.
1: Yeah, your money, your life, for health. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, right, heavily regulated. Going against the grain sometimes, right, is not necessarily going to be a good thing. Dealing with, you know, health lines, Medline, bigger companies, um, you know, that have a lot of authority in the space. Have you guys ever dealt with doing anything you know, in terms of content SEO promotion around any of those topics? Maybe the only relatable I could think about would be like finance. Uh,
1: we have in health and finance. And when we tried creating AI written content in health and finance and had a human review it, um, when the sites were authoritative already and known in their niche, EX you know, making up like a WebMD, believe it or not, it did well even if it was written by AI. But the moment the site didn't have as much authority and was starting off, kind of like your company, it didn't do well. So what we found is, when it's your money, your life type of content that's typically finance and health, uh, EX, Google doesn't want to rank a site, or Facebook doesn't want to show a site that tells you, invest all your money in this new cryptocurrency called Nealcoin. And you'll be a trillionaire, right? Like, they're worried about that kind of stuff because there's fools that would actually click a button, invest, and lose all their money. And then they complain to the government and politicians, and then Google and Facebook get in trouble. And it really does work like that. So that's why they care about a lot of these things, plus they care about the user experience. But what I'm getting at is if you have an existing site with a ton of authority, no matter what kind of content you crank out, if it's your money, your life, and you're well-known in that space, you do fairly well. But the moment you're not, whether it's air run or human run, you've got to build up the trust and authority, and it just takes time.
0: Yeah. Cool. You know who you should talk to, Jacob? Um, I don't know how, how much Syed wants to say, but you should talk to Syed over there. He's doing some interesting stuff with this, so related to what Neil's saying. So he might want to kill me now, but it's okay. Raise your hand, Syed. <laughs> that's, re- that's reluctant. <laughs> yeah.
2: Cool. Thank you. Um,
0: can. Both of you speak to uh,
2: what you're doing or best practices in your video content, so whether you're short form, long form content.
1: Um, f- for us, what we're doing is we've tested everything from creating short form video, long form video, uh, video just for YouTube, video just from Snapchat, uh, video just for TikTok, Instagram. You get the point. And we haven't seen much of a difference versus doing that. And just creating a mass amount of content that's longer form, and then having people slice and dice it and put it on different channels and shortening it up, we found it works almost just as well, gets similar amount of views, cheaper to produce, and it saves a lot more time.
0: You know what really pisses me off? Um, I was telling I was telling Neil this, so we, we're recording. I don't know if we made this a show actually, but so I, I see George back there actually. So we were talking. So George's mastermind. I spoke to his mastermind last week, and there's a guy there. His name's Ken. And I, George does he own like a couple billion in real estate? A couple hundred million? Uh, One point five. One point five. Okay, great. So he knows his shit. When I watch him on YouTube, it's like the content's amazing, but it's like five thousand views. Like not many views. Like it should be getting way more views. But then you hear other people talking about business or buying businesses and all that, and um, they just are really good at the YouTube game, right? And they have like twelve, you know, fifteen, twenty million views a month or whatever. And, but. They're really deep on the YouTube game, or the content game, but they're not as deep on the business game. And then like, a guy like Ken, 1.5 billion in real estate, why isn't this getting more views, right? And so it's, like, it's kind of like mismatched a little bit. So anyway, all I'm getting at is, we, we did a podcast, um, I think on Sunday actually, and I was just like, Neil, dude, like the game is just it's so stupid. It's like, you have to have a really good headline, a really good thumbnail, right? And you have, to tell, you have to lead in with a really good hook, tell a really good story. And there's all this theater. And we can't just like talk like right now, right? And so um, there's a game that you have to play just like there is for every channel. And I'm getting my team to play the game now, even though I'm annoyed that I have to play it. But um, check back on the Marking School channel in a year, and you'll see us, hopefully the game's working better. But I mean, look, even if you look at his YouTube channel, he has 1.1, 1.1, right? 1.1 million subs. And I don't log into YouTube. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> but like, point is, this guy's only getting like five to 10,000, maybe 15,000 views a video, right? Which is not much relative to the size. And then I look at other people that don't have, it's, the subs don't even matter, but it's like one guy talks about the same stuff in marketing, 40,000, 50,000 views. More entertaining, better hook. Um, and then you have people like us that are kind of winging it, so see, o- over the years, I've learned something. I was always a big
1: advocate for things like SEO, social media marketing, and marketing in general. And I still am an advocate for it. It works, don't get me wrong. But over the years, I started working with larger corporations, and corporations in every field, B2C, B2B, enterprise, consumers, just companies selling toothpaste. And I learned something that was really interesting over the years no matter how much SEO you do or social media marketing you do, you only grow so much. That's not really where the revenue comes from. The revenue comes from all the shit that no one talks about that's not sexy, like partnerships and distribution deals. Like even for us, I've ranked for almost so many things on YouTube uh, YouTube and Google. You know how many big corporations I've gotten from that content? Very little. But on the flip side, just, being in business for a long time and doing things like, hey, let me network with Forrester and Gartner who send out industry reports. It's like, oh cool, here's a RFP for $20 million. Here's another one for $42 million. Here's another one for $5 million. It's a lot of the shit that no one talks about that's not sexy that actually drives the revenue for a lot of these corporations. For that reason, I've spent less and less time on YouTube marketing, Instagram marketing, SEO, and I'm not saying they're not important, you should do them. But what I found is the other aspects of business have a much bigger impact in the long run than just being like, I'm gonna rank number one on Google for
0: digital marketing agency. Can you break down the percentage of your business that comes from referral? Uh, It's a little bit more than 70% now. Wow. It was 50% last time we
1: talked about it. Almost all of our business is coming from referrals. We think it'll get into the 90 plus percentile. And when I say referrals, we're, we're bundling in client referrals, employee referrals, and RFPs. And. Employee referrals is once you start getting, what we found is once you start getting beyond 400 employees, you'll be shocked at how much revenue your employees bring. Oh, you work at this company? Oh, cool, I like working with you. Let me just hire you. What company are you at again? Cool, how do I get started? No joke. I'm like, huh, hire smart people, you make money. This shit's great. (laughs) And then client referrals, you do good work, Just like even if you sell a physical product, if people love it, they tell other people about it. Like fidget spinners was really popular at one point because everyone used it like, this is great. Next person buys it, right? And then RFPs are similar. Oh, you work at this company? You've done really good work for me in the past. How do I include you guys as a potential vendor or buy from you guys or whatnot? And if you look at how most big companies grow, it's usually some of those things. It's not because they rank number one on Google. It's not because they use some. AI chatbot. It's not because they did a pay-per-click ad a specific way. And don't get me wrong, the AI chatbots, the SEO, the pay-per-click, the social media, it's all worth doing. But that's how you drive additional revenue. You got to figure out the boring, ugly channels that most people aren't talking about because that's where you drive a lot of revenue. So for example, you have a Salesforce marketing company, right? One of the best ways to drive revenue because you're not competing with Salesforce. You're just a vendor. You go to all the Salesforce sales reps that are selling Salesforce products and you incentivize them in an affiliate program to drive revenue. You know Marketo, that's how they grew. That's how they grew to over a billion dollar company. Their revenue came from Salesforce's own sales reps. They partnered with them, gave them cash on the side and it drove them a shitload of revenue. Again, ugly, not sexy, not a standard, not a standard strategy. But those are the ways a lot of the big companies Revenue. So, kind of
4: two-parter. One, um, Neil, for all the referrals, rooms you were in, etc. Like, how much of that do you th- attribute to the personal brand you had built? Kind of it's almost the zero. No
1: really? joke. No joke. We'll talk to big companies. They'll be like, we don't give a shit about Neil Patel. <laughs> and You know what they say, dude? We just did an RFP for a company that does around nine billion a year in profit, not revenue. Profit. That's a lot of cash. You know what they said? We wanna see the LinkedIn profiles for every single person who's gonna be potentially working on our account. They don't care who Neil Patel is. You know, a lot of the people who sign up for us have never heard of my name and I'm like, great.
4: Yeah, it sounds like the dream. And then <laughs> second, um, if you were a smaller agency again, right? Like, And for me in particular, heavy on the branding design side, what would you do to find those places and get in those rooms?
1: I would do par- I- partnerships. So for example, you do design work. Yeah. I would find out all the agencies that drive traffic, and their customers could need design work. So for example, if you specialize in B2B or enterprise or just uh, s and or e-commerce, you can find all the agencies that do the work that you don't do, ex-driving traffic or just managing, creating organic uh, social ads that are funny, like Harmon Brothers, and be like, oh, cool. Whenever your clients need design, check us out. Here we are. Create a partnerships paid on their website. They can promote you. You can promote them and that's a great way to drive revenue. Ooh! And again, it doesn't matter if it's B2B or B2C, you can drive revenue through non-marketing channels. You just gotta start thinking outside the box.
4: Okay, so this is, a, a, we're 86% referral based and I've been trying to crack the code on outbound and it's divergence of focus, so I'm um, really
1: doubling down on referral and getting more referrals. Um. Why don't you just incentivize the people who are giving you referrals and if they give you X more to hit a certain threshold, they get paid a kicker. So that way you get more referrals.
4: I, my current's uh, 10% ongoing from the net profits as long as the client stays with us. So it's a never ending. Um, is it
1: highly profitable?
4: Uh, after about 10 to 15 uh, referrals, they pretty much get a free outsource professional that's paid for.
1: No, no is it profitable for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, you give, if someone gives you $100, you're paying out $10. How much of that is profit?
4: Uh, about $20 after.
1: So you left with twenty percent. Yeah. So what you should do is scale them up. You get five percent if you hit X amount of referrals. You can get seven point five. Then you can get ten, and then you can get twelve point five. Scale them up. Incentivize them to keep driving you more and more.
4: Are there any other creative methods that maybe I wouldn't ask ChatGPT that I wouldn't come up with? For yeah. Here I'll, I'll give
0: you a dopamine hit. Um, yes. So <laughs> that's what <laughs> I'm here for. Um, so actually, one of our friends, um, David Hensel, who's not here, he. Have you heard of Clay.com? Okay, so check out Clay.com. And he, basically using that, he cuts 60 of his salespeople. And basically what he does with it, this is more you asked about outbound since this is more outbound. You can, it would use ChatGPT, it'll come up with like you might have a list of prospects or partnerships people that you're looking to reach out to. They'll make a list of them. And then it'll make an automated kind of um, hey, here's three bullet points that are unique to each prospect. Like you can send them out at scale, and there's a couple of integrations. But just go check it out, Clay.com. I see you nodding your head. Maybe you use you, do you use it a lot? I don't know. Right. You don't know. You're nodding your head. okay. Good. You make me feel good. Great. So go check it out. Yeah, we've That's been using it, and actually our salespeople have like, been like, oh, this is amazing, and they feel like they're like AI enhanced people now, which is good. So.
4: Are, are there any places or any strategies in particular for referrals that come that you already have in your ecosystem or going to past clients that works or anything that you give them kickers, incentives? How,
1: how, how do you recruit them? Are you sending out an email blast saying, hey, we got a referral program or anything like that? I jump on people with, on
4: a call one by one and talk to them, just like, hey, what's up?
1: Have you ever and thought about sending friends. an email blast? Have not. You should try that out. Okay. Yeah. Keep doing the one on one calls, but post on social media do email blasts have you ever created the marketing material for people so that way it's easier for them to get referrals and they know what to push in the messaging and the copy and all that
4: brilliant
3: so one uh, question was like how do you
1: retain the smart uh, employees kind of a thing everyone wants to start their own agency
4: so over the years definitely we we are behind like some of the bigger brands and once they are in a position uh, they either take the full time so I, I make sure no one is on LinkedIn kind of a thing. And we are very, keep it very low scale. Kind All right, a few questions.
1: One, you pay them well? A lot well. OK. Two, do you offer equity plans in your organization?
4: I mean, I didn't knew that I would grow this big.
1: <laughs> but, so. but you still can. So we, we do a few things, equity, incentives, and profit sharing. You okay. combine those two things, they're part owners, and they stick around much longer. I have nothing to add because so, you have people in this room that work for you.
0: No, because uh. you said everything that's. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because you everything you said is right. Uh okay. Yeah.
2: We appreciate you joining us for this session of Marketing School. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, and visit MarketingSchool.io for more resources based on today's topic,
1: as well as access to more episodes that will help you find true marketing success. That's MarketingSchool.io. Until next time, class dismissed.